Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the book of Romans with part two of this message entitled, God Guarantees Our Good. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Now, I spoke to you from Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know. That means, and we know for sure and certain this knowledge is unshakable because it is the very revelation of God. Unshakable knowledge. Number two, sir. God works. Present tense. We know present tense. God works. Present tense means God is always at work, unlike some of us. He is always at work to effect our salvation. Number three, sir. For our good. Ace Agathon. For our good. See, that's why we don't have to worry about anything. God is working for our good. Number four, sir. In all things. In all things, sir. In both good and bad things. In all our experiences. God being sovereign, able to guide all experiences to effect the good. Number five, sir. To those alone, in other words, we don't believe in universalism. This comfort comes only to those who love him. Present tense. What does it mean to love him? To obey him. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I said it is very easy to find out whether God is working for your good, for your salvation. Do you what? Love God. Do you obey God? So the limiting clause is to those who love him. And number six is what? Called to those who are called. Our love for God springs from our being effectually called by God with the gospel. One is subjective, our love for God. The other is what? Objective. The basis, the ground of our love for God is what? God's call. So when you look at Romans chapter 1, Beginning with verse 5, through him and for his name's sake we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. God calls sinners to have fellowship with him through the preaching of the gospel. As I am preaching now, God is calling sinners to repentance. So Isaiah said, how beautiful 
on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. It is time that we appreciate it. Preachers of the gospel. I said to someone this morning, the head of state of a nation can only kill you. A bad doctor can what? Kill you. But a bad preacher can send you to hell. And this is why you have to be careful what church you go to. The question is what? Whether that church loves the word of God. Whether that preacher preaches the word of God. If that church doesn't, then run. Run from that place. And find a place where the gospel is preached. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who brings good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Or look at First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Called to be holy. Vast majority of those who are Christians are not Christians. They are pretenders. The question is, do they love God? And are they holy? Living a holy life. Called to be holy. Called to be saints. And verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 1. God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. God is calling people to come to him. And enjoy fellowship with him. Eternal life with him. Calling is for you to come. To live with God. He calls those who are dead. In trespasses and sins. To come to him. Those weary of sin. To come to Jesus. He gives them rest. He is life and he gives life. He is light and he enlightens the blind. The call of the gospel has to do with the person and the saving work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the medicine for sinners' health. Remember Jesus called the dead and decomposing Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. Friends, the truth is nobody can come to God unless God enables you to come. And here John says in John 6 and verse 44, no one can come to me. The moral inability. 
So the first verse of Ephesians 2, we are dead in trespasses and sins. The moral inability. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Powerful, divine drawing. And when he draws, you come. And we read in verse 65 of John 6 again. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And Jesus says in John 12 and verse 32. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Father draws, the Son draws, the Holy Spirit quickens, regenerates you, gives you life. And you come. When God calls, you come. If you didn't come to God, God didn't call you. There is a general call and there is a specific and particular call. There is an outward call and there is an interior call by the Holy Ghost. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many do not come to Jesus. They have excuses. Matthew 22. I bought a new field. I bought a new tractor. Oxen. And then the final excuse. I got married. We have excuses. Many are called. Few are chosen. There is the general call which offers life. And there is the call of the Holy Ghost which gives you life. There is the general call which offers hope. And there is the call of the Spirit that gives you hope. It's not enough to be in a church and hear the general call. You call upon God, oh God, draw me, raise me from the dead, that I will move from death to life. God's particular, effectual, and internal call of the gospel comes to the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Luke 14 and verse 21. God effectually calls not many wise or noble of this world. He calls the foolish, the weak, the lowly, the despised, and the nothings of this world. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and following. The general call is to be given to all, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The effectual call comes only to the elect. 
I remember, and I was preaching, and he got up from wherever he was sitting, and he came for. And others have done it. Effectual call. You cannot sit there. God is calling. God is calling me. And I am going. Powerful. Through the effectual call of the Spirit, the sinner is regenerated. He is given the gift of repentance and the gift of faith. So the sinner repents and believes. The blind Bartimaeus receives sight and follows Jesus. The legion of demons were cast out of the miserable man. And he now proclaims the gospel to his own people. The effectual call came to Saul of Tarsus, a murderer and a blasphemer. Now he preaches the gospel. The effectual call is the miracle of the Holy Spirit into the interior of your life. This Paul was directed to go to Europe. He preaches to some women in Philippi, a Roman colony. And all of a sudden, the Lord opened the heart of the businesswoman Lydia and she and her entire household were effectually called, regenerated, repented of their sins, believed in Jesus Christ and were baptized and saved. Effectual call, sir. Then he was beaten up and put in prison there in the prison at midnight the jailer heard the call from Paul and he and his family were saved how God directed the feet of Saint Paul from Asia to all the way to Europe so that she could be saved. They beat him up and thrust him into the prison so that this jailer can hear the gospel and be saved. Now Paul, you read, is on his way to Rome as a prisoner. And there was a shipwreck. All 276 landed safely at the island of Malta. Why do you think it is? God engineered that shipwreck so they can all come to Malta. God guided it all so that he could preach the gospel. And the people of Malta whom God loved from all eternity heard the gospel. Believed the gospel. And were saved. Shipwreck. God brought Paul through a shipwreck to Malta. And think about your own life. How you heard the gospel. God engineered it all. So Jude writes... In verse 1, to those who have been called, loved by the Father, God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. 
Why are we called, sir? Come on. Because God the Father loved us. And we are told, kept by Jesus Christ. Loved by the Father. Called by the Father. And kept by Jesus Christ. Loved, called, kept. And the seven kataprotasin according to purpose. Called according to purpose. It is God's purpose. It is not your purposing. It is God's purposing. We love God because we are called. And we are called because of God's eternal purpose. This purpose of God was in the mind of God from all eternity. And Romans 8, 29 and 30 will explain this great, grand, glorious purpose of God. God purposed our salvation from all eternity. And the call came to us in time, in our personal history. We remember when the call came to us and interrupted our lives as he interrupted the lives of the tax collector Matthew, the fisherman Peter, and the prosecutor St. Paul. They will never be the same. What glorious interruption and intervention Those who are effectually called rise to follow Jesus. God's purpose is behind it all. Purpose to save us. To conform us to the image of Christ. To glorify us. That Jesus Christ may have preeminence. That the Father may be glorified. The ultimate purpose is for the praise of his glorious grace. This purpose of God is unchanging. Nothing in all creation can thwart it, frustrate it, prevent it from happening. To accomplish this purpose in the fullness of time, God sent his son to die in our place for our sins on the cross. And so you read in Romans 8 and verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. God sent in the fullness of time his own Son to accomplish redemption. So he says in Galatians 4 verse 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Then God sent his Holy Spirit to apply this redemption to us. 
Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. God purposed our salvation. God accomplished our salvation. God has applied that salvation to us. Let's praise the Lord. And so 29 and 30th words will tell us five verbs in the past tense. Aorist tense. God foreloved. God predestinated. God called. God justified. God glorified. God purposed and God accomplished his purpose and we now enjoy this great salvation. Let's praise the Lord. His purpose, I said, is the guarantee of our full and final salvation. His purpose is his will, his plan, his good pleasure. And you read in Ephesians 1 verse 11, In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He alone does what he wills. Ephesians 3 verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's purpose is behind our calling and we love God because the purpose. We repented because God's purpose. We believed because of God's purpose. Second Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Notice called us to a holy life. If you don't live a holy life you are not called and you are not in God's purpose. Why do you think pastor is persecuted? Because I preach that we are called to live what? A holy life. That's a simple reason, sir. Because people like to sin. We get used to filth. By the way, I pray that you never get used to filth. Stand up opposed to filth. God has saved us and called us to what? To a holy life. Called to be saints. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And Acts 2 and verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This God's purpose, this God's eternal purpose, he purposed before creation. Before the fall. He purposed it in eternity past to save 
a people and glorify them. Friends, we've been in the mind of God from all eternity. That's all you need to know, sir. God loved you from all eternity and will love you for all eternity. We were in God's plan from all eternity. God has planned it all. He is working out it all. There is no reason to doubt. Not even our death can threaten our salvation. It is done. God's purpose is done. Satan's sin and the world cannot prevent our glory, our eternal happiness. If God is for us, who can be against us? In conclusion, let us look at this verse in the life of Joseph. His father sent him. Brothers hated him and threw him into a pit. They sold him for 20 pieces. He cried and pleaded with his brothers, please don't do it. They paid no attention. Potiphar of Egypt bought him cheap as his slave. He was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown in prison. He helped the butler interpreting his dream. He told him that he was innocent. Yet he forgot to help him by speaking to Pharaoh. And Joseph did not know why all these things, terrible things, were happening to him. Yet God was working in all things for his good. Turn with me to the book of Genesis and let me show to you the secret of his life and our life. What is the secret? God is with us. You don't see him, but he is with us. 39, verse 2 and 3. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. Verse 3. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success. Verse 5. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household. And verse 9, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God, sir? You want an antidote to sin? Know the truth. That God is with you. So he said, how can I do this? And sin against God who is with me. And verse 21. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and staff, they comfort me. In verse 25, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. We don't understand certain things that are happening to us, but we will understand what? By and by. And here chapter 50 and verse 20. You purpose, that is the meaning, you purpose to destroy me. He's speaking to his brothers. You purpose to destroy me, but God purposed for good to save his people. Hallelujah for God's purpose. What is God's purpose to save us? And he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not along with him give us all things? What are you worried about? What are you concerned about? God is with us. But God purposed to save us. And God wins. And so ends the book. Of revelation. God's purpose stands. And we are saved. Well thank God. Not just Joseph. God sent Jesus. And they crucified him. But because of it. We are saved. God sent his son. In the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin. God's purpose. And he died. Was buried. Was raised from the dead. And he's with us. In this place. Where two or three are gathered together. There I am. In the midst of them. God's purpose stands. And we are saved. So saints, know this by faith. We know unshakable knowledge of God's plan and purpose. Know God is at work. God is at work for our good. God works in all things. God works to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part two of this message entitled, God Guarantees Our Good. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.